Amen. Y'all good? I'm telling you, I have to do this, sorry. It's grossing my wife out. But she's not here. (laughs) That food was awesome, wasn't it? Cass, thank you for for that. Um, I'm hoping it doesn't come back to bite me in about 30 minutes. When Brandon asked me to consider coming, um, I honestly thought, that's just too much. Off the, off the front, I just like that. That's just too much on my plate. I just don't know if I can, if I can do that or squeeze out some time. And, and then uh, I chose to, to, uh, to skip certainty to come and be a part of this. And so it's just pretty cool just to see what God's doing. Um, I've heard about you guys' retreat, and I've, I've watched and listened, listened to some things from afar. Can I back up just a smidge? Um, I've been watching from afar and just listening uh, to the last couple of years' messages and, and uh, called Kenny Morgan on the way down here, and he prayed with me over the phone. And, and, uh, and I love that guy, and I love you guys. And uh, there's a lot of familiar faces that I know and a lot I don't know and I want to get to know, and I will not remember your name. <laughs> and so if I say, can you remind me of your name, don't get, don't get offended. Um, please. I'm just trying to remember names, and it's just hard, hard for me. And um, This is my favorite age group of people. 18 to, really 30, 18, 25, 18 to 30. That's kind of my, some of you are above that, I know. <laughs> but but that is, that's just my heart. That's my niche. That's where I'm at. And, and I just, I don't know. I just get around you guys, and it just fires me up. That might change in 10 years. <laughs> But right now, that's where I am. You know, my daughter's uh, 17. Um, I'm going to be 18 next year. She's talking about moving out. I'm like, <laughs> you could talk all you want. <laughs> Ain't going to happen. Ain't going to happen. Because I am, I'm excited to be here. Um, ben and I were talking back and forth about the, the passage we're going to be in. You've you got work, everybody got sheets, everybody got the stuff. I know some of you might look in and go, wait a second, didn't we cover this like two years ago? And the answer would probably, yes. Um, yes, you did, but I know for a fact this is where God has us. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that this is exactly where God would have us to be. So I'm going to ask if you would turn your Bibles to Acts 15. And as you, as you turn there, I just want to give you a quick, I mean, a quick snapshot of just of my life. I grew up in western Kansas, like tumbleweed land. That's where I grew up, right? Tumbleweeds running all over the place. That's where we, uh, the snow would, you know, every now and then the snow would fall, not very often. I lived in the desert, which is western Kansas. Um, that's kind of where I grew up, um, to, uh, to a household that had nothing to do with the Lord whatsoever. My grandmother was born and raised in England, and so if I, went, if I couldn't go to a Church of England church, then I couldn't go to church. Well, there's not a C of E church in, in uh, Syracuse, Kansas. It's just not happening. So I never went, and then my mom was a single mom raising two boys. Every now and then she would call um, the Wesleyan church. They'd have a little um, church bus route and come by and pick us up to give her like three hours off from her kids. And we'd go eat their cookies and drink their milk. And uh, I don't remember a whole lot of things. I remember them talking about the Bible and having felt bored stuff and things going on. That's kind of what I kind of grew up there. And then we moved to Iola, Kansas. My mom got a job in Iola. And it was my eighth grade year. And uh, I was terrified to move to a new school. I mean, it's hard to imagine looking at this, Adonis. 
but uh, that was a joke. <laughs> but I was one tiny, thin pipsqueak of a kid, and I thought, man, I'm going to go to a new school. I'm going to be a new man. I'm going to be something different. I'm not going to get beat up every day when I go to school. My very first day of school, I got bench wiped. You guys know what bench wiped is? You remember? You guys got to bone up. You got to figure this out. Learn how to do this. So it rained the very first day of school, and out in front of the school, so you saw you saw the schools. An old old school, and they used to have these long plastic benches out front. And if you wanted to sit down, you couldn't because it was wet. So they'd grab the smallest dude and just grab you, sit you down, and dry the bench. So I got bench wet my first day of school. I'm like, awesome. I'm so glad to be here. So I lived about a block and a half away. So I walk over there. I got to change the clothes. And the next day, it rained again. I'm like, uh-uh, I'm not doing this again. So I put in a, I don't know why I'm telling you the story. <laughs> so I put in, put in an extra, bag, uh, extra change of clothes, and I run up, and I just slid down the bench uh, myself and took the fun away from it uh, the next day. And uh, I have no idea why I shared that story with you. No. So moved out of Kansas. <laughs> And uh, I, I, this, this guy begins to befriend me. His name is J.D. Hillstead. He began to befriend me. I thought he was kind of weird, kind of different, but the, he was always around cute girls. And I thought, he's got something figured out. <laughs> and so I started hanging out at his house. He kept inviting me to church. I'm like, I'm not going to any church. I'm not doing that thing. And then one day I was over at his house and these cute girls show up. And I said, did they go to your church? He's like, well, yeah. And I said, pick me up. <laughs> So I went to church totally for perverted reasons. That's the only reason I went to church. And it was an Assembly of God church, Pentecostal. And uh, as, as messed up as their doctrine is, they preached the gospel. And I heard the word of God. And I heard the word of God. And I heard the word of God. I don't know how many times I heard it. In uh, July 1993, that's how young or old I am. I guess how old I am. That's how old I am. That's when I met Jesus Christ and my Savior. July 1993. So that was between my uh, sophomore junior years of high school. Do the math, I graduated in 95. Yes, I'm old enough to be your dad. <laughs> so, I, I, but here's the deal. I get saved. No one ever taught me to read my Bible. No one ever discipled me. Two years, four years after I got saved, I couldn't tell you where the book of Matthew was in my Bible. Couldn't. Couldn't do it. And I was living in constant fear that I could lose my salvation. We know what the Bible says. We can't lose our salvation. But I was living in constant fear that I could lose my salvation. And so finally, I just gave up and said, well, if I'm going to lose my salvation, then I might as well just go do it. And so I walked away from the Lord for two years. Two years I walked away from the Lord. And uh, it was getting ready to go bad really, really quick. And uh, I made this beautiful young thing who's now my wife, who leads me to Harvest Baptist Church. And I'd never heard preaching like that before in my entire life. They, they believe the Bible. They live the Bible. They're memorizing Scripture. I'm like, man, I need this. This is awesome. And so I, it's not long later I get discipled and start going to discipleship too and get involved in shepherd school and getting involved in ministry. And, and, uh, and here I am, right? So, I mean, it's just there's a whole lot that happens between there and here, but praise the Lord, I get to be part of this retreat, and it's just really, really exciting, and so I say all of that to just say, um, when we get to Acts chapter 15, um, is uh, I really feel impressed, or impressed in my spirit um, to just share with you 
you know, things I wish I would have learned earlier in ministry. And uh, the title, I mean, is, notice it's Discovering God's Calling for My Life. Things I wish I would have learned earlier. Um, because honestly, that's it. I mean, it's, it's easy to come up and say, let's just discover what God wants for our lives. And it's easy to have messages like that. But honestly, this is just reality. Things I wish I would have learned earlier. Uh, things I'm still learning. And so these, these passages are dear to my heart. They're, God's used them numerous times uh, in my life. And so I just want to give us some practical, practical handles on, on just discovering what God's calling is for me, what God's calling is for you. And before we get too far, I would just say this. And maybe you don't need anything other than this, just from this retreat. It's the best way to discover God's calling. It's not on your sheet. This is extra, right? The best way to discover God's calling for your life is to plug in where you are. Amen? Man, I wish somebody would have stinking told me that. I'm sitting there trying to figure out what is it that you want for my life. I'm, I'm going to JUCO. I'm going to junior college. I'm trying to figure out my life. And I'm, I'm hating English. And I'm hating history. I'm hating chemistry. I'm hating every single subject that I'm going through. This is a waste of time. So I dropped out and went and stocked groceries. And I stocked shelves at the grocery store. That's what I did. There's a career choice for you. Go do that for the rest of your life. No, thank you. But that's where I was, and that's where I, met, that's where I met my wife, so I praise the Lord for it. God used it. But I'm telling you what, I was an absolute wreck, an absolute mess, because I had no direction in my life whatsoever. And I, I wish somebody would have said, just plug in where you are. I'm seeing God do these amazing things where missionaries are coming in, and I'm, and I'm hanging out with all these different pastors, and I'm, I'm hanging out with different people that are doing these crazy things for the Lord, and I just want to do this, something crazy for the Lord. You know? How about you just go work in the stinking nursery? Or why don't you go hang out with the two-year-olds? That's crazy for the Lord. Why don't we go do some of that? Now, my first day in the nursery, a baby threw up in my mouth. So, that didn't last very long. I'm like, you know, this ain't for me. We're moving on up. So, got out of that ministry really fast. But the best way to discover, I'm telling you, the best way to discover what God has for you, look at the opportunities around you. Plug in right where you are. Right where you are. Get busy doing the work right where you are. Get busy doing what you know to do. We call it, the Bible calls that in 2 Peter chapter, chapter 1 verse 5, virtue. Add to your faith virtue. Just do what you know to do. All right, so check this passage out. Acts chapter 15. We're doing this cat named Silas. You guys familiar with Silas? Hey, he first shows up on the scene in Acts chapter 15. We're going to back it up in, into verse 22. So you have your Bibles, Acts 15, um, verse 22. Here's what's going on. Paul and Barnabas are having this dispute with a few guys. They're saying you have to be circumcised to be saved. And like, no, 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 uh, that's, that's not how this is going to go down. So they have this conversation, and they begin to write these letters and take it to believers in different churches. Now check this out, verse 22. Then please that the apostles and elders with the whole church to send children men of their, of their own company to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, look at this, namely Judas, surnamed Barsabbas, and Silas, chief men among the brethren. So here's Silas just kicking it in his own church, right? Doing his job, doing the ministry. He's just plugged in right where he is. There's a ministry opportunity up here in Antioch. And, and they say, okay, Paul and Barnabas, you're getting ready to go do this. Why don't you take a couple guys with you? Silas, hey Silas, why don't you go with them? Who, who me? Yeah, you. How about you go with them? And so Silas is just plugged in right where he's supposed to be, and he goes. 
All right, now skip over here to, uh, to uh, verse 32. So, chapter 15, verse 32. So they go, they do this job, verse 32. And Judas and Silas, being prophets also themselves, exhorted the brethren with many words and confirmed them. He's been teaching and preaching in his own church. And God says, okay, now I'm going to move you over here to Antioch, and I want you to go confirm the disciples over here in, in Antioch, verse 33. And after they had tarried their space, they were let go in peace from the brethren unto the apostles. Notwithstanding it, please, Silas, to abide there still. Silas says, you know what? Um, I think God might be moving me here to Antioch. I was plugged into my local church in Jerusalem. My, my leadership said, hey, once you go with them to, to this other local church, once you go minister to them, once you go disciple them, once you encourage them in the Word of God, and so he goes and he began to, to teach and to share the things that he's known, sitting at the feet of guys like Peter and, and James and John, sitting at those guys' feet. He goes up to Antioch, he's teaching and he's preaching, and, and Judas says, okay, I'm going to go on my own merry way. And Silas says, you know what, I'm just going to hang out right here. Well, right after that is that whole crazy story where, where uh, Barnabas and Paul kind of come at odds, right? Paul wants to go and minister and, and you see all these other churches, and Barnabas says, hey, man, that sounds like a plan. Let's take John Mark with us. And Paul's like, eh, eh, uh, that guy quit. Uh, he's not going with us. Remember the story? I don't want to belabor the story. So they're having this big old, they're, they're having this big old spat in uh, verse 36 uh, through, right? So verse 38. But Paul thought not good to take him with him, who departed from them, uh, sorry, from them from Pamphylia, and went not with them to the work. And the contention was so, so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from another. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed into Cyprus. Now here's the verse I wanted to get to. Verse 40. And Paul chose Silas and departed being recommended by the brethren unto the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia confirming the churches. Now, notice this. Paul says, okay, my ministry partner for years is now off doing something else. There's now a split here and I don't know, I don't know what to do. I, I've, I've got a heart to go minister to these churches. I can't do this on my own. And so, what's Silas doing? He's plugged in where he's supposed to be. He's doing what he's supposed to be doing. Plugged into his local church. Just making himself available within his local church. There's this dispute. The church is trying to handle it. Uh, uh, Barnabas and John Mark go off into Cyprus, do their thing. And then the church leadership comes up to Paul and says, Hey, Paul, what about, what about Silas? What about this guy? And it says, And Paul chose Silas a little bit later in the verse, being recommended by the brethren. Right? Being recommended. So the only reason Paul even chose Silas in the first place because the leadership recommended him in the first place. Right? Well, why is he even able to be recommended? Because he's made himself available. Are you making yourself available within your local church? Listen, we want, to, we want God to do these amazing things. We see the people doing crazy stuff and he's saying, I want to do that too. Well, have you made yourself available? Are you even there? And are you there? Are you even there? Are you plugged in? Are you doing what you know to do? Right, so here's your blank. God's calling for your life will be centered around the needs of the local church. The only reason God singles out Silas and God singles out Paul is because there's needs in the local church. That's why God him out of Jerusalem to go to his local church in Antioch. And that's what's going to get him out of Antioch to go to other local churches. There are needs in the local church. 
And so if you want to answer God's call in your life, you want a direction for God's call in your life, it will never be outside of the local church. Amen? Amen. It will always be summed up within the local church. And not just some offshoot with the church's name over it. No, no, no. It's going to fulfill a need within the local body. That's, that's the beginning of your calling. If you don't start there, you will never discover God's calling in your life. Truth? It's truth. So, Paul, here's your next one. Paul chose Silas because the church leadership recognized what God was doing through him. That's the only reason he chose him. Because the leadership recognized what God was doing in Silas. Now, here's your next one. Silas, this, this is important. Silas chose to go with Paul because Paul chose him to go. Now, s- slow down and think about that one for a moment. So Silas chooses to go with Paul because Paul chose him to go. You know what that means? He submitted to authority. He submitted to authority. Paul says, hey, Silas, I, I want you to come with me. And so Silas goes because he was chosen to go. Listen, there may be times where you're trying to figure out, okay, what, what, what is it that you want me to do in my life? What, what is it that, that you would have for me? And here comes Pastor Brandon, puts his arm around you and says, have, have you considered? Have you thought? Well, no, I haven't. Well, maybe you should consider it. Maybe you should consider that something way outside your element. Now this is huge. This one's a big one. This next one. I have mine asterisk right there. It's getting asterisk. It's important. It's one thing for God to call you out. And it's another thing to go out because you were called out. It's one thing for God to call you out. And it's another thing to go out because you were called out. Listen, you can be, you can know the calling of God in your life and still do nothing with it. Silas is sitting in his church doing his thing. He's teaching, he's preaching. Paul says, okay, I want to go confirm with the churches. I want to go minister to them. There's a split. I'm, I'm spitting, sorry. There's a split between them. And then the leadership says, okay, so, hey, hey, Paul, what about Silas? And, and Paul says, yeah, sounds like a good idea. Paul goes to Silas. Silas didn't come down to Paul. Silas didn't say, hey, I want to go to, I want to go to, I want to go to. Let me do this, let me do this. No, no, no. He's plugged in where he's supposed to be. Leadership says, okay, I recognize God moving in you. Hey, Paul, why don't you get Silas? And so Paul chooses Silas because the leadership chose him, right? And then Silas says, you know what? I'm going to choose to go to because you chose me to go with you. That's obedience. It's submission. It's one thing to be called out. It's a whole other thing to actually fulfill the calling. It's a whole other thing. To, so what happens if Silas doesn't go? Somebody else goes. If Silas says, nah, I'm good. I'm going to go back to Jerusalem. That's fine. Silas would have gone back to Jerusalem. And somebody else would have went with Paul and we would have been reading their name. Listen, some believers are, they keep searching for God's calling in their life because they're not happy with what they've been called to. Some of us, I think, know what it is that God would have for you to do. 
and you're fighting it because you don't like what it is. It's not sexy. It's not cool. It's not awesome. Well, I think it's pretty awesome if God singled you out to do it. And what happens is the right thing gets done by the wrong person. Because if you're not going to do it, God's going to use somebody else to do it. And it's the right thing going to get done by the wrong person. And then conversely, you like that word? Conversely. Some believers are searching for God's call in their lives. They quit searching for God's call in their lives because they said, you know what? I'm going to pick my own call. I'm going to do my own thing. Silas could have said, you know what, Paul, I like what you're doing. But I'm going to go do my own thing just like Barnabas did. Interesting, we don't hear about Barnabas much anymore, do we? I'm not saying that God couldn't use him. God used him, I'm sure. But now that the wrong thing gets done by the right person. So here's the right person. God singled out and said, you know what, I don't like the calling. I'm going to go pick my own. So now here's the right person doing the wrong thing. No wonder we're miserable. No wonder we have problems. All right, so let's get practical with this. Here's a practical application. If I want to discover what God has for me, I must start by discovering the needs of my local church. Pretty practical, isn't it? How about we start right there? Let's just discover the needs of the local church. So Silas is available to go with Paul because he makes himself available. He's plugged into existing ministries. Just do that. That's what we hear. Okay, what's the needs of the local church? I'm going to go fill that need. Well, hold on. Hold on. Before you do that, before you go try to lead a ministry, how about you submit to one? Just get involved in one. And so his whole ministry, his whole focus is I'm going to be centered on the needs of the local church. All right, so you have like three or four lines right there, right? You got three or four lines. I just want to take a few moments. I want to see interact with this. Let's just ponder just for a moment. What are the needs in your local church? Right now, just write those down. Right now, what are some things that you can think, okay, what are some needs in my local church where I am? Consider that. What are your needs in the local church? Now, keep writing, that's fine. What if you are able to see the need because God might be singling you out to fulfill that need? What if that's the case? What if... You're able to see the need that nobody else sees because God might be singling you out to see that need. So that he's equipping you to fulfill it. Maybe not, but that's something to consider. Check out this verse, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16 says, From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which, how many joints? Every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of Every part make it the increase of the body under the edifying of itself in love. Every body has a role within the body. Amen? Think, well, I don't have anything to offer. I'm telling you, God did not bring you to this local church to sit there. You have a role. You have a function. But I'm not 
in the praise band. But I can't do this. Well, I can't do that. What can you do? What has God equipped you with that somebody in the praise band can't do? Isn't it weird how we try to elevate things and we, we just, come on, that's silly. That is absolutely silly. I'm a pastor of a church and I'm no more special than anybody else in the room. It's just a completely different office. It's a different, it's a different deal. And I've seen many people just bounce. They just leave a body. They just go. Well, there ain't no place for me. No. <laughs> there was a place for you. You just didn't like it. Somebody's got to be the... You know what I'm saying? Somebody's got to be it. Every church has them. Listen, God brought you to this church because you need the local church. God brought you to the local church because the local church needs you. Now, people can function without a finger. Truth? You can function. It's just weird. But I've never seen a finger function without a body. Plug in where you are. Just start to figure it out. Acts 16. Acts 16. Just first three verses. So Paul picks up Silas and they head on out and they end up in this this little valley, Derby and Lystra and Myconium's down the road a piece. That's my Arkansas coming out of me. It's just down the road a piece. Verse one. Is everybody there? Is everybody there? Right, I, I like interaction. All right, thank you. Verse 1. Then came into Derby in Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus. I love that it's called a disciple. He's a disciple. He's a follower of Christ. Named Timotheus, son of a certain woman, which was a Jewess and, and believed, but his father was a Greek. You get the idea. Daddy's not going to church, but Mama is. Right? No one ever grew up like that, did they? Verse 2. Which was well reported of, by the look of this, by the brethren that were at Lystra and Iconium. So he has a ministry that's impacting not just his town, but the town down the road. And people, he, he's not just summed up right where he's at. No, he's, he's getting out and about. He's interacting outside of his little town in, in Derby. Verse 3. Him would Paul have to go with him and took and circumcised him because of the Jews, which are in those quarters, for they knew all that his father was a Greek. And so I know Brandon covered this a couple, couple years ago. But can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? Here comes the Apostle Paul walking into town. He says, hey, Tim, why don't you come with me and Silas? And Tim's like, oh, that sounds like a pretty good idea. How about I come with you? Oh, hey, Tim, by the way, you need to read Acts chapter 16 and verse 3, Tim. Because you've got to be circumcised to go where we're going. You see, I'm circumcised and Silas is circumcised and we're going to go reach Jews for Jesus. And somewhere along the way, they're going to check and make sure you're circumcised or not. <laughs> Whoever got that job? That's what I want to know. What's your job? That's messed up, man. That is messed up. Now, if somebody ever does that at your local church, leave! 
that is not the body He has called you to. No doubt. And apparently, Timothy just submits to it. I'm just saying. I don't think that's going to happen with me. If that happens, I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to make myself available in my local church. Thank you. Thank you for asking. Here's a simple point. Here it is. God's calling for your life will cost you something. It's easy to make light of it. And honestly, I make light of it because it just makes me want to cry. But it will cost you something to follow the Lord. If you're fulfill, you think you're fulfilling God's calling and it hasn't cost you something, you're not fulfilling God's calling in your life. If you haven't had to suffer, if you haven't had to go through some pain, if you haven't had to question whether you want to do this or not, then it's not God's calling. Truth? That is a reality. That is a straight-up reality. If what you're doing is easy, it's probably not the Lord. Now, sometimes you get some reprieve. Sometimes you just got some times where it's just like, this is awesome. And then there's some times where it's just hard. So hold your spot. Um, Actually, I I think it's up on the screen. Acts chapter 14, verses 19 to 22. Because Timothy would have remembered what it cost Paul, right? So Acts chapter 14, verses 19 to 22. And there came through the certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium who persuaded the people, having stoned Paul, drew him out of the city, supposing he had been dead. I mean, that's called a beat down. Right? They're dragging you out, flopping you down, thinking you are dead, 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 dead. The disciples going, oh no, what are we going to do? Right? This is, this is a few years prior to what we're reading in Acts chapter 16. Verse 20. Howbeit, as the disciples stood round about him, he rose up, came into the very city he just got stoned in. Y'all? Now, that's easy maybe in our mind to, to just picture. But if somebody has hurled massive rocks at you over and over again until you are dead, you're looking pretty gnarly. You're going to have skin hanging off, bones are going to be broken, blood everywhere, and now they've dragged you outside of the city. Every one of those woods is now filled with dirt. He gets up and walks right back into the city. He just got his tail kicked in. And Timothy's a young man watching all that happen. That is crazy town. Verse... Verse 20, 21. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and had taught many, they returned again to Lystra and to Iconium and Antioch. Look at this, verse 22. Confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith that we must through much tribulation enter the kingdom of God. You think that means something? When somebody's standing there with, with scars and somebody's there with some open wounds hanging there going, let's, let's keep doing this, guys. We've got to keep serving the Lord. He's bleeding as he's saying it. And Timothy's this young man just soaking it all in. And so when that Paul comes in and his wounds have been healed, he can remember the scars. And Paul says, hey, Tim, won't you come along with me? And Timothy says, hey, I'm, I'm down. Let's do this. Hey, Tim, I need you to get circumcised. Well, that's nothing compared to getting stoned a few years ago. I'll do it. And he goes. And he does it. So did I give you this blank? I hope I did. Timothy would have remembered what it cost Paul to do ministry in Derby and Lister. He would have remembered it. He would have known it. He 
Here's your next break. Timothy was willing to pay what it costs to submit to God's calling in his life. He was willing to pay it. He was willing to pay it. Here's your practical application. If I want to discover what God has for me, then I must be willing to pay what it costs. I have to be willing to pay what it costs. Timothy would have known. Man, I've seen what Paul went through. By the way, John Mark quit before Lystra and Derby. Can you imagine what it would have made him wet his pants if that would have happened? Because it was too hard. He went running back home to Mama. Skipped, skipped Antioch and went all the way back to Jerusalem. That's messed up. Can you imagine if he would have went to Lystra and Derby? Dude would have wet his pants. And here's Timothy. Timothy says, hey, I'm willing to pay what it costs. If you want to discover what God has for you, you recognize God's calling in your life, you've got to be willing to pay it. You've got to be willing to pay it. And I honestly believe that's the reason why right there, why most Christians, and I say most, Christians never fulfill God's calling in their life because they see what it costs and they're not willing to pay it. They're not. <clears throat> now think about this. Why did Timothy have to get circumcised? To reach Jews. His dad was not a Jew. And so his dad did not have him circumcised on the eighth day. And the only way he was going to have credibility with the Jews is to get circumcised. In other words, how about this? 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 19 through 22. For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. And unto the Jews I became as a... Do we know anybody that did that? Um, his name is Tim. As the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews to them that are under the law as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law to them that are without the law as, as without law, being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without law to the weak became as weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men that I might by all means save some. That is exactly what Timothy did in chapter 16, verse 3. You know what he said? I'm going to sacrifice my identity so that I can identify with you. And I'm telling you right there, there's a reason a lot of Christians can't reach out to people because they're not willing to sacrifice their identity to identify with somebody else. Well, this is how I dress. This is how I care myself. This is how I talk. This is how I do this. This is how I do that. Well, then good luck reaching that guy. If you're not willing to sacrifice your identity... To go identify with somebody else, you'll never make an impact for his kingdom. It's just not going to happen. Because we try to force everybody to look like me, to talk like me, to act like me, instead of saying, let me show you how to walk and follow Christ. Let me show you how to walk and follow Christ. It's a big difference, isn't there? How about this one? Jonah chapter 1, verse 3. Chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. You guys remember the story of Jonah? Remember that story? Jonah, rise up, put it in that cry, that great city, and cry against it. For their wickedness has come up before me. Until you find out, Jonah has no interest in seeing the people of Nineveh get, get right with the Lord. He can't stand them. He hates their guts. He's completely prejudiced against them. Hates their race. Hates everything they stand for. The last thing he wants to do is go reach people in Nineveh for the Lord. 
So, verse 3. But Jonah rose up to flee into Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Like, you can do that. Good luck with that one. And went down to Joppa. What direction did he go? Down to Joppa. And he found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Listen, when you know God's calling your life and you go the opposite direction, you're not running away from your calling, you're running away from the Lord. And not only that, you're running away from the people of your calling. Now, what's the practical application? The practical application is if I want to discover what God has for me, then I must be willing to pay what it costs. I'm telling you what, I've got to get this from this verse right here. If you are not willing to pay what it costs, it will cost you. He went down. He paid the fare thereof. And he went down. And guess who else pays the price? Everybody in your vicinity. There's been a lot of miserable Christians, and everybody that's close to them is miserable too. Miserable. Miserable. If you're not willing to pay what it costs, it will cost you. No doubt. So let's hang out right here for a moment. You got those lines. What's holding you back? What's a price that you're not willing to pay? What's keeping you back right now? Are you willing to suffer in the flesh so that others can be rescued from their sinful flesh? What's, the, what's one thing you just say, you know what? I do that, but I just I can't let that one go. I'm not willing to pay that price. What's holding you back? What's, is it fear? Is it money? Is it prestige? Is it location? Is it grandparents? What is it? I'm telling you, this might seem silly. This really might seem silly to you. Uh, but it was real for, our, for me and my family. When God was moving us from Iowa, Kansas, down to Texas for five years, my wife grew up in the exact same house. The day she was born to the day she married me, she had the same bedroom. Right? And when I feel like God's moving us down to Texas, that was huge for her. Because her and her mama are best friends. The best of friends. And the idea of leaving her family behind was almost more than she was willing to pay. And she'll be the first one to stand up here and tell you that. That was a huge cost for her. And I had to, I didn't, that wasn't no thing but a chicken wing for me. I've moved my entire life. That was nothing for me. I'm like, sweet, let's go to Texas. Let's do this. I had other costs I had to worry about. But for her, it was the family. It was leaving everything behind. It was leaving Sunday dinners. It was leaving Christmas behind and birthday celebrations and, you know, all that stuff. You know, all that. And so when I was at Gates Rubber Corporation, I'm filling vending machines and I'm reading my little New Testament, or reading my Bible, and I get to Judges chapter 4 about Barak and Sisera and God's singling them out and says, it's time for you to go. I knew sitting in that break room, God was speaking right into my soul, you're moving. This is pre-cell phone days. So I walked to the wall that you have to do this sometimes. And I picked up the phone and I dialed it. And I called my wife. And which was weird for me to call her. She goes, is everything okay? I said, yeah. She goes, we're moving, aren't we? I said, yeah. 
and then we had to go tell her parents and the tears were insane but there was a cost to it but I'm so grateful for those five years by the way hell on earth brutal brutal but I needed those five years to prepare me for what God's doing in Iowa today and I can't even imagine where we would be if we wouldn't have been willing to pay that price because I guarantee what it costs us dearly guarantee it so everybody get anything written down there is there a price that you're just not willing to pay listen we can sing songs like I give it all I, I give you everything I, I put my life in your hands we can say all those things but when the rubber hits the road what's really holding you back what's keeping you back from serving the Lord I want to do these awesome things for the Lord then be willing to pay the price and there's a whole lot of people willing to buy a ticket very few people willing to get on the bus because that's where it really means it's that's where you really got to do it let's do this quick chapter 16 look at verse 6 Now, I like this story. Now, when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, after they were come to Mysia, they essayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. And they, passing by Mysia, came down to Troas. Remember that story? Paul's like, hey, let's go this way. Spirit says, uh-uh. Okay, let's go this way. Spirit says, nope. <sighs> We're going over here. Camp out right there, buddy. So, have you ever just grabbed out your book of maps and read that passage at the same time? It makes logical sense. When Paul says, go, let's go this way. And the Spirit says, no. Logical sense on the map says, we go here. Common sense. Let's just do it. They start to go, and the Spirit says, no, no, no. Common sense says, I can't go this way. I can't go this way. I got to go south. I got to go south. I got to go to Port City of Troas. And that's where they end up. They land right there. Now, I think it's interesting. Every time he makes a move, the Spirit of God is moving. Truth? So, when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia, in other words, they've preached the word, they've, they get the gospel out, the confirming churches, things are going awesome, they were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word of God. Where? In Asia. Keep that one for tomorrow. Keep that one for tomorrow. Forbidden to preach the word of God in Asia, verse, verse 7. After they were come to Mysia, they said, they're going to Bethany. Hey, let's go over here. Spirit suffered them not. And they passing by Mysia came down to Troas. Here's your blank. God's calling for your life will force you to be sensitive to God's spirit. You have to be sensitive to the leading of the spirit of God. No doubt. Listen. There are going to be times, here's your next blank, there are going to be times when you think you have ministry figured out, but it changes when you submit to the Spirit of God. You think you've got ministry figured out. Oh, this is how we're going to do it. This is what we're going to do. We're going to do this, and then we're going to do that, and we're going to do this, and the Spirit of God, goes, the Spirit of God shows up and goes, nope. But it made sense. Everything made sense. This is, the, this is how it should go. And the Spirit of God says, uh-uh. You ain't doing that. 
Listen, Paul was leading his team in the direction that makes the most sense geographically and situationally. It makes complete sense. I understand what he's doing. If I'm a leader, I'm doing the same exact thing that Paul's doing. Because it makes sense. This is where we are. This is, people need to hear the gospel. We've got to go do this. But here's what, what else I like about Paul. He was quick to change his direction when the Spirit of God made it clear that he was going the wrong direction. I always say, use common sense until the Spirit of God directs you. I say that all the time. Well, what should you do? Well, go the... And I use this passage as an example. Go the direction. It looks like the door is open until God shuts the door. Until the Spirit of God says, no, you've got to go somewhere else. You've got to go a different direction. But Lord, it doesn't make any sense. It does what I'm telling you what to do. But here's a big one. Sometimes... God leads by not giving directions. Say, what? That's exactly what happened here. The Spirit of God didn't say, Paul, I don't want you to go by Phinehas. I want you to go to Troas. He didn't say that. The Spirit of God just said, no. Nope. Give him no further instructions other than that you need to learn how to follow the leading of the Spirit of God, Paul. You need to learn this. So sometimes God leads by not giving directions. Sometimes he leads by simply hindering us from going the direction we're currently heading. Now, this is not on the screen. So I'm going to ask you to flip in your Bible to Numbers 22. Numbers 22. One example of this. Another example of this. is that story of Balak and Balaam. Remember that story? Balak has hired Balaam or wants to hire Balaam because anything Balaam says comes to pass. So Balak says, well, if I can hire this guy to curse the nation of Israel, then they're going to be cursed. And Balaam, by the way, is all for this. Like he's, he's on like Donkey Kong. Let's do this. He was wanting to do it for filthy lucre's sake and he wants to kind of destroy the nation of Israel in the process. And so he's asking God, hey, can, can I go with him? And uh, so Balaam, verse 18. And Balaam answered and said unto the servants of Balak, If Balak would give me his house full of silver and gold, I cannot go beyond the word of the Lord my God to do less or more. Well, doesn't that just sound biblical and right? It sounds right, doesn't it? Everything he's saying is right. I can't do less or more unless God tells me. Verse 19. Now therefore I pray you, tell ye here, sorry, tell ye also here this night that I may know what the Lord will say unto me more. Well, that just sounds biblical and godly too. Let's just wait and see what God says. And then we'll move. We'll see. Verse 20. God says something. And God came unto Balaam at night and said unto him, If the men come to call thee, rise up and go with them. But yet the word which I shall say unto thee, that shalt thou do. Simple response, right? God says, hey, if they come, I want you, you just go with them. And whatever words I say, that's what I want you to do. Just do it. Verse 21. And Balaam rose up in the morning and saddled his ass and went with the princes of Moab. And God's anger was kindled because he went. Does that make any sense? It makes sense when you read the Bible, right? What is Balaam wanting the entire time? He 
said, I want to hear from God. Let's just wait tonight and see what God says. God says, if the men come, saddle your ass and go with them. What does Balaam hear? Go with them. Read the next verse. He saddles his ass in the morning, and he goes, and the anger of God is kindled against him. Why? Because he didn't wait for the men to show up. He just went. Do you guys see that? He just went. And God's anger was kindled because he went. Well, why is he angry with him? Because he didn't obey him. He didn't wait for the men to show up. He just rose up. And the angel of the Lord, this is where it gets crazy town. And the angel of the Lord stood in the way for an adversary against him. Now he was riding upon his ass and his two servants were with him. Where is the angel of the Lord? Standing in his way. Hindering him. Not giving him instructions. Just trying to stop him dead in his tracks. You're going the wrong way. Verse 23, And the ass saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way. I think it's crazy that the donkey has better spiritual insight than his rider. And the ass saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way, and his sword drawn in his hand. And the ass turned aside out of the way and went into the field. And Balaam smote the ass to turn her into the way. Now, I think a lot of us are familiar with the story, but just in case some of us aren't, um, the ass is trying to save the day, right? Verse 24, But the angel of the Lord stood in the path of the vineyards, a wall being on this side and a wall on that side. And when the ass saw the angel of the Lord, she thrust herself in, onto the wall and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall and smote her again. Bam! Bam! Just do what I'm wanting her to do! Right? It's just like bang the donkey. I really want to say they won. Alright. Verse 26. And the angel of the Lord went further and stood in a narrow place where was no way to turn either to the right hand or to the left. Oh, by the way, the same situation Paul ended up in. Well, I have no other options. I have to go to Troas. So now there's no way to the right hand or to the left. And when the ass, verse 27, when the ass saw the angel of the Lord, she fell down under Balaam. Submission, right? And Balaam's anger was kindled and he smote the ass with the staff. So three times he beats this donkey. Verse 28. And the Lord opened the mouth of the ass and she said unto Balaam, What have I done unto thee that thou hast smitten me these three times? Would that not freak you out? That would completely wig me out if my donkey started talking to me. And Balaam said to the ass, Because thou hast mocked me, I would there were a sword in my hand, for now would I kill thee. This is a Shrek donkey moment. Donkey! And they're having this conversation. It's not like he's, Shrek's not even surprised that the donkey's talking. And they're having this dialogue. And the ass, verse 30, and the ass said unto Balaam, Am not I thine ass? Upon which thou hast ridden me, ridden ever since I was thine unto this day? Was I ever want to do so unto thee? And he said, Nay. He was, this, this donkey says, I've always been in submission to you. I've never been in rebellion. Why are you whooping me? And just then, 
Balaam says the angel of the Lord, verse 31. Then the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way, and his sword drawn in his hand. The two-edged sword, right? And look at this. He bowed down his head and fell flat on his face. Worship. Worship. And the angel of the Lord said unto him, Word. Right? Worship. Word. Wherefore hast thou smitten thine ass these three times? Behold, I went out to withstand thee, because thy way is perverse before me. God, why won't you let me go this way? Because your way is perverse before me. God, why won't you tell me what to do? Because your way is perverse before me. And I can't have a dialogue with you until you are on your face before me. Until you're in submission to me. Verse 34, And Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned. Repentance. For I knew not that thou stoodest in the way against me. Now therefore, if it displeased thee, I will get me back again. I'm willing to reverse my course. I'm willing to go back home. And then God gives him permission to continue on. Listen, I think there's a lot of lessons just in that. So I like that passage. But it's, he doesn't get clarity until there's worship and he hears it from the Word of God. Here's your practical application. If I want to discover what God has for me, then I must submit my plans to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Did you, did you read what it said? That I must submit my plans to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Listen, what makes sense on paper may not be what God's leading us to do through the Spirit of God. And can I just tell you, this is a lesson I'm having to learn right now. I'm having to learn this lesson. What makes sense on paper may not be what the Spirit of God is leading us to do. What may make sense in the present tense usually changes when I spend time in His presence. Right now, our church is in a, in a spot where we are desperately crying out for God to give us another space out of the building, another place to meet, because we're in two services. Many of you know what that's like. Except we don't have any other room to do Sunday school classes or fellowships or whatever you call it. We don't have any room to do that. And so now we're to the point where we have people within our body that don't see each other for four to six weeks sometimes. They're not interacting. Because they're doing ministry over here, the ministry over here, they just their paths aren't crossing. It's not that they're not interested in seeing each other. Just ministries going in different directions. And so there's an American Legion building. I think I've showed you that. There's an American Legion building we could buy if we had money. There's an old Christian church building we could buy and tear down some of it and remodel it and build something new if we had money. Um, just this starts working out. So there's a church down the road, about 15, 15 miles down the road. Um, their pastor left just recently. Breaks my heart. It's an independent Baptist church. Discipleship's not a thing there. Nothing like that. Um, our, Dave Shelby's had the opportunity to preach there. I've had an opportunity to preach there a couple times. Um, we're getting ready to do our Discipleship 2 style stuff. They're starting this Sunday night. 
I'm going to be there Sunday night. We're stripping back our discipleship too to just kind of fill their purple on Sunday nights and give them a philosophy of discipleship. Right? What an open door is that. So here's 80 people meeting in an auditorium this size. Is God asking us to join churches? I don't know. It would make sense. They're without a pastor. We're without a building. And they have a brand new building. Hmm. Could it be? And let me tell you, everything in my flesh says, let's do that. But what makes sense in the present tense usually changes when you spend time in his presence. And so it makes sense for us. We just roofed our building. And so we're trusting God that we're going to put a for sale sign in the yard. And just trust God. Can you give us $100,000 for our property? Which, by the way, we paid $25,000 for. <laughs> can, can you sell it for that? Of course he can. But does he want to? I don't know. So I'm having a, a desire to just go the way that makes sense. I'm just being honest. Everything in me is just saying, this looks good on paper. This makes sense. This makes sense. This makes sense. And we've got to learn in our ministry to just trust the leading of the Holy Spirit as we worship in His Word. That's just where we are as a church. So pray for us, please. Because there's so many options to take and it'd be easy for us to take the wrong one because it made sense. I just want to be what makes sense when I come into His presence. So, you got a few lines on the bottom of your page there. I got three questions. Maybe you already have questions. Maybe you already have some things you're writing down. Am I making decisions because it's the sensible thing to do or because it's the Spirit-led thing to do? Are my plans in submission to the Holy Spirit of God? Or how about this? What did Balaam do? He forced God's word into his plans, didn't he? He had plans to go with Balak the entire time. And the moment God says, okay, you can go, if they show up in the one first, he skipped that part and he just heard you can go. So here he is, he's taking a Bible verse and trying to make it work for his plans. Don't do that. By the way, that happens to me all the time. And they're usually about 18 to 25 years old when they do it. Here's what I'm going to do. This, I'm so excited about this. Hey, hey Pastor Tony, this is, this is what I'm going to do. And, and God gave me a verse. How does that work? Because I'm not seeing what, what you're seeing. You're, you went and found a verse to apply to your, to your plan. What if you took your plans and submitted them to the Word? And usually they leave because they're going to go do their plan. And it breaks my heart. Just submit to the leading of the Spirit of God. So am I making God's Word line up with my plans or my plans lining up with God's Word? That's a question to consider, isn't it? I want to discover God's calling on my life. How about I just plug in right where I'm at? Submit. 
submit to the leadership of my local church, be willing to pay what it costs, and be willing to follow the leading of the Spirit of God. Let's just finish off right there. That's a lot to chew on. It's a lot to chew on. And we'll pick it up tomorrow night.